show that is all baseball. They're better than they were a year ago. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz. Brought to you by Jackson Lumber and Millwork. Bigelow Tea, Gravely Zero Turn Lawnmowers. The 99 Restaurants, Sing Sang Cocktail in a Can. Wind Waste Innovations and Woodbridge Wines. On Boston's home for sports. 98.5, the Sports Hub. Tied at 18. And another one to center. I think you get it. I think you went to 19. I really believe. If not, this is 20, as a matter of fact. He keeps going. He's down on a knee. He's got it. Bat is flipped sky high. And Juan Soto is your 2022 Home Run Derby champion. And he wanted to be darn sure of it. It's not a night for Schwarber. It wasn't a night for Alonzo. Juan Soto becomes the second youngest home run derby champion. Ken Griffey hands him the trophy. All right, welcome into the baseball hour here on Thursday night, July 21st. Uh, here's what we're going to do tonight. We have spent we have spent a lot of time this week talking about the uh, the plight of the Red Sox, where they are organizationally, the work of High and Bloom, the ownership of John Henry and Tom Werner. Uh, all of that stuff, and we'll all continue to be on the table as uh, the Red Sox inch back toward a start of the second half of this season tomorrow night at Fenway Park against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, it's a series that I will be working this weekend, uh, if anyone cares. 617-779-0985 is the number. So, again, look, some of the questions we've asked along the way this week. How do you feel about this ownership group? Do you still want them to own the Red Sox? What are the alternatives? Would you rather have someone else? How do you feel about the overall direction of the team? Should they add at the deadline? All that stuff on the table. Okay, as we begin the program tonight. But let me start by saying this. There was a report today uh, from Bob Nightingale of USA Today, who has covered baseball for a long, long time. And Bob Nightingale reported that the Washington Nationals have started having preliminary talks with teams about outfielder Juan Soto, who you just heard there in the Home Run Derby, was the winner of the Home Run Derby this year at the All-Star Game. I think Soto is 23 years old. He might be the best left-handed hitter in baseball when you add it all together. And uh, Soto now, by all indications, is going to be on the trade market. The Nationals had said up until now that they uh, were not necessarily going to move Soto, but in the same breath... The I think the Nationals have let it be known, and I haven't actually seen that written anywhere, but I can't imagine that Juan Soto's side was the one to leak the details earlier this week that Juan Soto had turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract offer from uh, from the Washington Nationals. So now I think Soto has two more years after this one before he's eligible for free agency. The Nationals are going to start looking at moving him now, uh, presumably because he'd be able to get more for him. So here's a question I have. Jimmy Stewart, I would, I would love your uh, thoughts. Okay, and, I, and I'm, I, I'm trying to avoid the details at the start, Jimmy. So just in the general sense, Juan Soto, 23 years old, maybe the best left-handed hitter in the game, and let's call him 24, Okay, because he's going to be 24 soon. 24 years old, best left-handed hitter in the game. Wants out of Washington. It would, uh, you know, you'd have to sign him as well when you brought him here. 
If the Red Sox could make the deal, should they? Yes, 100% yes, they should make a deal for Juan Soto. And why? Because I think Soto helps you in your outfield. He becomes your best outfielder. And if you're not going to sign Rafael Devers, he's a younger version and potentially a better version uh, of a left-handed power hitter at Fenway Park. Okay, so I, and I agree with you, Jimmy Stewart. I think they should. And and this is, and I'm not saying that at the end of the day that they would necessarily be able to do it or what have you. I'm just asking the question. Should they be looking into that kind of player? And my answer, like Jimmy, is yes. This is exactly what I'm talking about when I say what the Red Sox should be if they are running at their peak and they are running like a well-oiled machine. So you should have access in a town like Boston where there are resources on multiple levels. Okay, And again, I would say this, by the way, about every team in town. You get a marquee talent that is available. Do you express interest and do you try to make the move? And my answer is yes, because you should be in the market for every kind of player at all times. So the idea that the Red Sox wouldn't be in on a guy like Juan Soto because the contract is too big, to me, is preposterous. The whole point is that Juan Soto only has a limited number of places to go. And it it leads to some bigger questions to me about the state of Major League Baseball that frankly have me a little worried. Uh, And not just about the Red Sox, but about the overall state of the game. So let me go back to the Nightingale report. And again, Bob Nightingale reported preliminary discussions between the Washington Nationals and teams regarding Juan Soto. The teams that are uh, believed to have had the strongest interest in Soto or that uh, the Nationals have had conversations with include the Mets, the Yankees, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Mariners. The Rangers have also inquired about Juan Soto. So the Rangers are also on that list, Jimmy? Well, yeah, I've heard that. Okay, I'm just going by the the Nightingale report, and and I believe you, Jimmy, but let's throw the Rangers in there, too. The part that should frustrate you is that the Red Sox aren't on this list. Whether you want Juan Soto or not, you should be in the game. This is the part that that is frustrating. Now, look, there are other variables in play here, in fairness to the Red Sox, that in order to get a guy like Juan Soto, you need premium prospects— You probably need more than one. You probably need good pitching. And I say probably more than one. You'll need need multiple premium prospects. And you're going to need pitching prospects as well. And you're going to have to have the willingness and desire, not to mention the resources, to pay Soto 400, um, really, let's call it 500 million over 15 years. Okay, that I think is what Scott Boris is looking for. He's Soto's agent. He's looking for something in the range of a half a billion dollars on that contract. So now we can discuss whether it's prudent to go after a guy like that, whether it's smart or it's stupid. And we've had those discussions a million times. But the fact that the Red Sox aren't on that list should tell you a couple of things. And one, again, is in defense of the Red Sox. And that is that they probably don't have the chips to be able to make that kind of deal at least relative to other clubs. So again, the Mets, the Yankees, 
the Dodgers and the Giants all on that list. Jimmy says the Rangers, as well as the Padres and the Mariners. I can also add the St. Louis Cardinals to that list. They've invested. St. Louis is another one. Uh, they've made some big deals, Jimmy, in recent years. They brought in Arenado. They brought in Goldschmidt. The, the Cardinals have made some big moves in recent years. The fact that the Red Sox are not on this list should, should annoy you and frustrate you. And, again, because I keep saying this and I get derailed. The fact that the Red Sox don't have the prospects necessarily to make this deal, and I'm not sure they do, that's not High and Bloom's fault. That is because of the way the Red Sox conducted business before High and Bloom got here. Okay, so my point being that when the Red Sox got Pedro Martinez way back when, and we didn't know this at the time. We didn't know that Carl Pavano wouldn't be as good as everyone thought. And we didn't know that Brian Rose would be a bust. Uh, but what we knew is that the Red Sox had pitching prospects that had high value in the game. That's the reason they were able to get in on the Pedro talks. Ultimately, that's the reason they made the deal. And the Pedro Martinez trade changed Red Sox history. Okay? It changed Red Sox history. So in a guy like this... You could say, well, they could trade Marcelo Mayer, and they could. I'm not sure Marcelo Mayer enough as the number four pick in the draft gets the deal done. Maybe he does, but I doubt it. I think for Soto, you're going to have to give up more, and then you have to pay him on top of it. And it's the second part that I do put on the Red Sox. Do the Red Sox stay away from a guy like Juan Soto just because they don't want to pay the contract? Because I would say the cost keeps going up no matter what. Years ago, we used to bitch about $100 million deals. Then we started bitching about $200 million deals. Then the idea of a $300 or $400 million deal became preposterous. Well, now guess what? We're talking about half a billion. The number keeps going up, and suddenly the 145 that the Red Sox spent on Chris Sale really doesn't look like all that much when you compare it to Mookie Betts, who is hauling in $365 million or whatever the number is. You get the point. The cost always goes up. The revenues always go up for the most part. So if you want good players, you have to pay for them. The fact that they're not in on Soto, by all accounts, is only partly their fault. Because they haven't, you know, they let the system deteriorate under Dombrowski to the point where uh, they didn't necessarily restock it. If you want to uh, talk about that, you know, we could say that it wasn't built as a strength under Dombrowski. But the money part of it speaks to organizational philosophy and maybe unwillingness to go in on those sorts of contracts. And by the way, the Red Sox might not be wrong on that either. If we were to examine the, uh, the value or the ultimate, uh, you know, how smart it has been over the long term to sign a lot of those big deals, we could come up with more cases that were failures than more that were successes. I gave you Giancarlo Stanton yesterday that I, I think is a success now for the Yankees. Giancarlo Stanton at $25 million per is a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. Giancarlo Stanton is one of the great power hitters in the game. And he's not a guy who hits 200. I think that deal made sense for New York. So anyway, that's where we're going to start. 617-779-0985. I see a lot of you on the line. Please don't go anywhere. We'll get to your calls when we come back on the Baseball Hour. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. 
Text Laney to 45911 to see which four Laney Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Laney to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Little bounding ball toward the hole. Cut off by Story. Racing out, throwing, and he will get the out there. No, he came off the bag. Whoa. Everybody's going to be safe. What was that? Actually dropped it. What a strange play to begin with. Story thought he had enough time to run to second base, and on second thought, he said, I, I'm not going to get there, and makes the throw to Cordero. Look at this. A little chopper. I thought, there you see him. They're trying to run the back. He can't get there. He throws over, and he just oh. did, didn't catch the ball. Air on Cordero, but what a strange play. He knew he couldn't get there, had enough time to throw out Choi at first base, and Cordero can't hold on to the ball. That's an E3. From Jump Street, that was a weird-looking play. It's an error by Franchi Cordero. Within the last couple of weeks, there's a reason we're playing that as well. Some trade rumors out there regarding the Red Sox and potential help at first base. Josh Bell of Washington, one of the guys they're linked to. We were talking about Juan Soto earlier, but any discussions the Red Sox have had with the Nationals, I think, center on someone like Josh Bell, who's a free agent at the end of the year. Hits from the left side and the right. He's a switch hitter. Uh, Hits them both equally as well is what I would say. And uh, I don't know if he's a gold glover. He's not. Reports indicate his defense has improved, but whatever. They're looking for a first baseman. I want to get to that, too, uh, in a second, because they're looking at all different kinds of first basemen. And uh, this is one where I think you can criticize the Red Sox organization for uh, depending on what kind of player they they focus in on on this sort of deal. But let's take some of your calls here. Uh, Martin is in Texas on uh, Raphael Devers and Juan Soto. Go ahead, Martin. Hey, I'm just calling to uh, say that I wanted to play the devil's advocate on what you guys were going off of before. Uh, the big One of the big factors for me is can Juan Soto play in Boston? Rafael Devers already proved he can play in Boston. It's a lot, hard, it's a lot harder than playing for the Nationals. And, uh, Maz, when's the next time you're going to be in the booth with uh, OB or next? Thanks. Okay, so I'll be in the booth this weekend. Uh, it's actually going to be Mike Monaco who's filling in for O'Brien this weekend. But I'll be there this weekend, uh, and then I'll also be there next uh, when Dave O'Brien uh, – O'Brien will return before next weekend. But I get the next couple of weekends. It's a short answer. And so good point on uh, Soto versus Devers. Devers is already here. And this was brought up only because, uh, you know, Jimmy Stewart said if you lose Devers, Soto would be a good replacement. It's all the more reason to pay a guy like Devers. He's young, he's left-handed, he's handled Boston. Okay, if you were to sign Soto some sort of blockbuster deal after acquiring him, you don't know how he'd handle this market. The Red Sox made this mistake with John Lester. David Price was the replacement, couldn't handle it. In fact, it was so bad that one year after Price, they had to trade for Chris Sale. Think of that. Mike's in Southie. Mike, go ahead. Hi, Matt. Um, I know everyone's focused on, you know, getting a relief pitcher first baseman, but I wanted to know your thoughts on uh, the starting rotation. Um, I know that the nerds love the bullpen and pitch by committee these days, but I still feel like you need an ace like a Kershaw or a Cole to, you know, get you through the the playoffs and kind of 
stretch some innings to save out your bullpen. So I was wondering if you think, uh, assuming that they don't re-sign Avaldi, which I don't think that they will, um, should they be looking after you know a true starter, or a mid-level starter at the end, at the end of the year? Uh, Mike, my answer is yes. I don't think their starting pitching is good enough. Now, again, if you make me choose one side or the other, I would tell you that the bullpens have become more important now, and teams put more of a premium on that. And so being able to match up relievers at the end of the game is more important. So the innings are just going to different places now. And given the way some teams are putting together lineups and whatnot, having a guy like Garrett Whitlock in your bullpen makes more sense than having him in your rotation. Now, if he turns into a front-end starter and can give you six or seven innings every night, well, then I think you'd rather have him in the rotation. But Whitlock looked pretty ordinary in the rotation. He's dominant out of the bullpen, so I'd go that route. The short answer is yes. And my hope is that the game will shift back towards some sort of model, at least a little bit, where starting pitchers are going deeper into games. Uh, And that it's worth investing some dollars. But I, I think teams are really fearful now of committing big money to pitchers. And as Theo Epstein put it a couple of years ago, they've also learned how to weaponize pitching, meaning they can pick up guys off the scrap heap, put them in there for three batters, pick their spots in a lineup, go with openers and bulk guys, and get their way through an opposing lineup. I think they can do that now. So starters just aren't as important as they used to be. I'm not telling you I like it. I think it's been to the detriment of the game. Trey's and Lowell. Trey, go ahead. What's going on, Matt? So what's going on? Since one of the Red Sox the chief team nowadays, we won't pay anybody, so why don't we just sign Jared Duran and uh, what's his name, Frankie Cordero? You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, so Trey, look, I, I always say, I've said this for a while, and it, it comes off as apologetic for the organization, and I don't mean it that way, but it's not that they're cheap. They spend $240 million on the team or $235 million on the team. They have the fourth or fifth fifth highest payroll. So it's not cheap. It's not about the total dollars they are spending. It's about the risk they're willing to take in some of these contracts. And I just think that if you want good players, you got to take on some risk. That's what these big contracts are. There's always risk. And I understand there has to be risk on both sides. I get all of that. My uh, my requirement for the Red Sox has always been you should always be in the market for everybody, meaning you should be able to trade for them, you should be able to pay for them, and you should be willing to pay for them. So Raphael Devers comes up for, what, a big contract and the number's $250 million and the Red Sox won't pay it? I used to believe the Red Sox had no shot at Mookie Betts because he didn't want to be here. Mookie Betts has now said that if the Red Sox had given him the same offer, he would have signed it. Maybe it's bull crap. It's probably probably is because nobody tells the truth about anything anymore. But I would also say that based on how the Red Sox have generally handled contract negotiations with players in the last couple of years, he might be right. Maybe he's telling the truth. And I do wonder now if we have to look at how the Red Sox handle some of these deals and wonder, are they willing to extend themselves? Are they willing to take on some sort of risk when it comes to some of these deals? I think that that is a legitimate question. And if you want good players, you're going to have to take on some risk. Spencer's in Framingham on um, on Juan Soto. Yeah, hey, Maz, I love the show. Uh, 
you know, I'm kind of old school. When you have a guy like Juan Soto who's available to get trade, why do you care about Tristan Cassis down there in AAA? Why do you care about Bayo? Why do you care about Nick York? Go get me Juan Soto. You know what I mean? So, Spencer, look, you know the reason, you know the answer to that question, and the answer is money. Soto costs a lot of money, and you can have Mayer and Cassis for, call it, the first you know three years of their career and pay them a combined uh, you know, $10 million over that period of time or less. So that the answer is money. That's why. Now, productivity, I agree. Soto's a known commodity. We know Soto can play in the big leagues. We don't know if he can play in Boston, but we don't know if Mayer or Cassis can play in Boston either. But it'll be a lot cheaper to fail with those guys than it would be to fail with Soto. So teams err on that side of it. In the same breath, I would tell you, if the Red Sox took the same approach 25 years ago, Pedro Martinez never would have been here. It never would have happened. And Red Sox history changed the day that Pedro came to Boston. The whole way they thought and operated changed, let alone how they played baseball. And a couple of years after Pedro, they signed Manny Ramirez for eight years and $160 million dollars which was at the time the biggest free agent deal in club history. And that one was worth it too. Those two guys were key parts of a championship team. So now there were other moves that are made. I'm not telling you they, those two get it done alone, but you were in the big, big You were in the market for big names back then. You thought big, you took some risk, you rolled the dice and you got, not only did you get a championship out of it, but as it turned out, you completely changed the whole uh, culture in the organization. I mean, the, the Red Sox have never been the same since Pedro got here. Anthony's on the Cape. Anthony, go ahead. Yeah, Tony, you know damn well we ain't getting Juan Soto unless we trade Marcelo Meyer for him. And right, then exactly. you're going to have to pay him. Right. And then you're going to have to pay him a half billion. Why not keep Meyer and Cassis and our prospects and just give that money to Bogart's endeavors? In some way, but let me just get to Cassis, right? I mean, you know, so yeah, so, so Anthony, I'm going to put you on hold just for one second. The the exercise was not about trying to analyze their roster and what they're doing. The point is, if a player, I was asking in very broad general terms, if a player like that is on the market, the Red Sox should be in contention for him. That's my only point. Now, in this particular case, you make a good argument in terms of how they could get around it. And they, they have the guys behind. They have prospects in the system. Just keep. They, they, I don't think they really can be in it relative to other teams because they think other teams have more to offer. Okay, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's like the new Barry Bonds. The guy's a stud. Of course I want Juan Soto, and we should be in on him. But is it realistic? I don't think so. Let me just say something, though. I don't want to trade for Josh Bell. Okay, I'm not huge on him. Talk about somebody you don't know if they can play in Boston or not. I mean, come on. This guy's from Pittsburgh and Washington, and he wasn't on that World Series team. So he doesn't have any. Now, let me tell you something. I have information that suggests Tristan Cassis, as long as everything goes fine and he doesn't get injured or anything, will be making his Red Sox debut on this homestand. And I'm extremely excited for that, and I think everybody else should be as well. Okay, so look, yeah, yeah, Anthony, maybe you get some inside dope here. This is breaking sports news. (laughs) There you go, Jimmy. Thank you. So, look, I hope he's right. I'd love to see Tristan Cassis play on this homestand. If I'm Jimmy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Didn't they bring up Jaron Duran right after the All Star break last year? 
Yeah, that sounds right. Is that right? Like during the break, didn't they, when they came back, didn't they bring Duran up? So, you know, I do believe that, that people like Bloom, and I say people like Bloom, meaning that he came from the Tampa operation, they're very formulaic in their approach with prospects. They set a timeline, and then they think, okay, this is a good time, good time to integrate a player. And so maybe this is what the Red Sox solution will be at first base or attempted solution or a way to keep people interested. Uh, so, look, I'd love to see Cassis. But if you think he's going to, like, all of a sudden jump in and, and come to the rescue, I think that's asking a lot of the kid. And further, I would tell you, that if the Red Sox think he can come up and give them a jolt, they're being unfair to him. Boy, how would you like that? Welcome to the big leagues. We need you to hit third and start producing because we have no production at first base. And I'm not saying he would necessarily bat third, but you get the idea. Uh, 617-779-0985. We will continue with your phone calls. And our friend uh, Chris Russo. Mad Dog himself had a uh, an opinion recently in the last twenty four hours or so about the All Star Game in general that will uh, that will share with you and uh, take your thoughts on as well if you're interested. Jim Murray's got your head. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Now more baseball and more mess. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Do you enjoy those festivities? Oh, my God. I, hate, I can't talk. I'm tired now. So. I, I hate these all-star games. The Pro Bowl is a complete waste of time. Ryan can talk about that. Mm. They play no defense in the NBA. You first, hate them. They play to 180. Oh, I can't stand them. The hockey, I'm not interested in. And unless everybody looks at me as a baseball guy, the baseball all-star game has lost all its juice. Let's be fair. Let's call it like we see it. The, the interleague, it's no longer American League, National League. You know, yeah. Mays against Mays, Clemente, Aaron against the American League guys. And obviously, without anything on the game where there's no accent on World Series home field advantage, I think it's lost a lot of luster. I can't, I can't get into it. There's too much fraternization. There's no competitive juice to these games. It's not a big deal if you win or lose. So I'm supposed to invest three hours or four hours of my time, and they don't care who's going to win, so why should I care? Somebody, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, I happen to agree with them for the most part. I think the All-Star game is useless. It's a waste of time. And kids like the skills competitions better than they do the actual games anyway. In the game, they find the games boring. The skills competition is just one highlight after the next in theory. Uh, and that's true in every sport. I disagree with Mad Dog, though, about they need stakes. They tried that. They tried that. It was stupid to have those kinds of stakes connected to a game that no one cares about. And at the end of the day, home field advantage in the World Series is not that big a deal. You know, there, there were years there where, uh, you know, the Red Sox were willing to sacrifice home field uh, to be able to set up their pitching. And I think many teams felt the same way, that if the right guy on the mound, they can win on the road. So anyway, it's just a quick thing. I want to get back to the uh, trade discussions uh, and certainly the, the, you know, how the Red Sox are running their organization now as they're building up their minor league system. 
I feel like they're at a point where they should be able to make uh, a significant trade at the deadline. And and just quickly, now that I think about the deal for someone like Josh Bell is exactly what I'm talking about. So Tristan Cassis, according to a caller uh, just a little while ago, Anthony on the Cape, who calls the show regularly, Anthony claims he has inside info that Cassis is going to make his appearance on the next homestand, his first big league appearance. If that's true, the Red Sox aren't, aren't going to bring up Josh uh, trade for Josh Bell. They're not going to do it. So now I think there might be some validity to it. Last year, right around the break, I think is when Jaron Duran came up. And Jaron Duran wasn't really able to help the club at all. But I think it's in line with how a smaller market teams operate that you would bring up prospects right around this time to see if they can give your team any sort of jolt at the beginning of the second half. So that makes sense to me. But I think it would be a bad sign if the Red Sox are, I don't want to call it rushing Tristan Cassis, but, you know, baptizing Tristan Cassis into a playoff race at a time when they do have lesser prospects to deal. I think they do have lesser prospects to deal. I think they could make a deal for a Josh Bell. There's lots of deals they could make. They made a trade for Kyle Schwarber last year. It didn't cost a whole heck of a lot, although it was partly because he was injured. But you get the idea. It just feels like this year, the long term has outweighed the short from the very beginning. And if and if that's the case, then why do you have a two hundred forty million dollar payroll? Charles is in Connecticut. Go ahead, Charles. Hey, Tony. Great show. Uh, two two opinions, and then a couple questions for you, real quick. Yesterday, one of the callers brought up collusion, and if my memory serves me correctly, the major league owners got slapped really hard. I think in the eighties for collusion. Um, they did. And and as far as the four hundred forty million fifteen year contract in today's dollar. It seems like a lot, but 10, 15 years from now, it could be a real bargain. Here are my two questions for you. Bogart still has a player option to stay with the team this, you know, for the next year. What what kind of market do you really think is going to be out there for him? Because there wasn't a market for J.D. Martinez last year, and he exercised his option. And my last question to you is, with this 10-game homestand ending right before the trade deadline, how bad, what does the record have to be to make the Red Sox sellers instead of buyers? Have a good one. Oh. Okay, so you're throwing a lot at me there. I'll tell you this. What's Bogart's market going to be? I don't know. But if he can get more than three years and $60 million, he should go out there because that's what he has left on his Red Sox contract. He has an opt-out after the third year of a six-year deal. So he could stay here and guarantee himself three times 20 over the next three years. He thinks he's going to be able to get more than that. I think he's right. So who's going to need a shortstop? A lot of people say the Yankees could need a shortstop. The Twins could lose Carlos Correa. They may need a shortstop. I mean, there are a lot of places that uh, potentially that could happen. The Braves may need a shortstop. Uh, Dansby Swanson, I believe, is also a free agent. So there are a lot of places that you could see some shuffling around. And, uh, you know, someone will – I think someone is going to pay Bogarts. Okay, Bogarts would be a relatively safe signing, I think. Uh, and even if a team thinks that he's not a shortstop for the long term, if it gets him a contract, he might be willing to do it, which is ironic in some way that he'd be willing to make the change for someone else, but not for the Red Sox. Uh, what does their record have to get for the Red Sox to not deal at the deadline? It, uh, to sell pieces off? I would I'd say they, they'd have to really suck for two weeks. I mean, it's really what you're looking at, right? Today's uh, Tomorrow's the 22nd. So there's about 10 days in there. I mean, you'd have to go something like 2-8. and eight. 
I think, in order for them to sell off at the deadline. And I, even then, I'm not sure it would happen. Uh, Sean's in Hamilton. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, Tony. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, so I listened to the to Felger and Maz earlier, and you mentioned that, you know, the Red Sox bringing another piece for the bullpen could be what puts them over the top. And I agree completely. I think that's definitely needed. But to me, the top need at the deadline, or, or whether it be Tristan Cass's an internal move, is first base. Because the downright negligence at that position is, frankly, embarrassing. I just can't keep watching people who don't know how to play the position play the position. And now, at least last year, you bring in Schwarber, at least you bring in a bat. Now you're watching guys who can't hit and can't field. It's maddening, and I can't stand it anymore. Sean, you have every right, you have every right to be pissed, and I let you go. It's been a disaster. First base has been an embarrassment over the last two years. And so, look, I get it. There are circumstances where you have a prospect coming from the minor leagues and you say, well, we're going to keep the seat warm for a little while and see how it goes until the kid gets here. We think the kid can play, and then we're going to turn over the position to the kid. They've been doing it for two years. So think of it. They had to trade for Schwarber at midseason last year because Dahlbeck didn't work out. Then Dahlbeck started hitting, and they took the cheese, and I think they thought Dahlbeck was going to give him something this year. They had to move Franchi Cordero to first base because it was such a disaster. That's what that whole thing was about. He was originally an outfielder, and they moved him there to see if they could get anything out of it. They did for a couple of weeks, but you know what? They are last in baseball in offense at first base. They are last in baseball in defense at first base. So they've gotten exactly what they have paid for at the position. Garbage. Garbage. That should, and, and the fact that they've had to fill it for two years should really piss you off to no end. So there were lots of ways they could have gone. Schwarber hit late last year. He did. He was a good bat in the lineup. But they still didn't have a first baseman. So let's just say hypothetical. Let's say that after letting Schwarber go... They actually went out and gave Rizzo, and I just use Rizzo as an example because he's an easy one. They had given Rizzo what the Yankees gave him, which is two years and $32 million. Well, then what happens when Cassis comes up? Rizzo plays first for another year or a half year, and Cassis DHs because you're going to lose J.D. Martinez at the end of the year anyway. So we're, we're, it's just you manage the pieces in such a way that you can make it all work. That's it's not that tough. Brandon's in a car. Brandon, go ahead. What's up, Tony? I got a thought about a Josh Bell trade. So, say if they make a trade for Bell and then they bring up Cassius, they put whatever one's the better defender at first, and whenever JD leaves at the end of the season, because it looks like Cassius' bat is going to play. I mean, he's hitting pretty well in AAA. So, if they have one at first base, one at DH, I think in the long term, that's setting them up pretty good. Yeah, so look, again, Brandon, but Bell's a free agent at the end of the year. So now what you're saying is, and look, I, I, I get the idea, okay? But what you're saying is bring up Cassis and trade for Bell. So give up prospects for a guy who's, so so what, J.D. Martinez or or either Martinez, Bell, or Cassis would be sitting for a third of the time when you have 69 games remaining in the season. That doesn't feel right to me. I mean, that feels like you're wasting resources in some way, shape, or form. So if you're going to bring Cassis up, then use the use whatever prospects you were going to deal for Cassis. Use those and go get yourself a reliever. Try to do something like that. Then at the end of the year, 
if you want to move Cassis to DH and go out and sign Josh Bell when he's a free agent, something like that, then by all means. You think you can save money by going to get Josh Bell because Martinez is gone? Whatever. Fine. I'm open to all of that. But to do all three right now, and I don't know if that's what you meant, but to do all three right now to me wouldn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Uh, Let's go to uh, Nick in Westport. Nick, go ahead. Hey, Maz, what's up? I'll be uh, quicker tonight. So you already answered what I wanted about Cassis and Josh Bell. So I want to talk about the Red Sox bullpen and two names that they could get at the deadline. That would be pretty easy. One of them, you might recognize Michael Fulmer from uh, the Detroit Tigers. He's having a really good year this year. I'm not sure what the exact numbers are, but I know his ERA is somewhere under two, and he's striking out a crap load of dudes. And the other name is Carl Edwards Jr. He's a reliever for uh, the Washington Nationals. He's another guy that is striking out guys at a really good rate this year, and he's on a crap team. And I think the Red Sox have enough guys in the farm system to trade for both of them. Okay, so again, it's hard for me to get into every particular name because I, I, you know, I don't follow every guy in every market all that closely anymore. Um, you know, Fulmer at one point, obviously, he was acquired in a big trade, if I remember right. I can't, whom, J- Jimmy, do you remember who they traded to get Fulmer? My recollection was that was a big deal. I'm trying to look it up here as we go. Uh, he was in the Ioannis Cespedes deal. That's what it was back in 2015. So he was from the Mets organization originally and got off to a good start with the um, with the Tigers as a starter, if I recall. Again, if I recall correctly, which is always a danger, Jimmy. But his first couple of years, uh, he went 11-7, and 3.06. And then it started to blow up on him, you know, somewhere in that COVID I think he had era. some health issues, too. Yeah, he missed 2019, Jimmy. So there were clearly something going on there. But he is pitching uh, pretty well out of the bullpen. You know, the walk totals are a little high for my liking, almost five guys per nine. The last thing they need is another guy there who's pitching blindfolded. Um, so, you know, look, I, I can't tell you who the specific guys are. There are a lot of guys available on the market. We don't even know who they are. So, but do I want bullpen help? Yeah. And if the idea is bring up Cassis and trade for bullpen help, fine. Okay. Because I don't know that the Red Sox are going to want to make two deals. It just doesn't feel to me, at least not for substantive talents. So I don't think they're going to go out and make a trade for a legitimate lever and for Josh Bell and give up those kinds of prospects. Uh, so I'd be surprised. If they bring up Cassis, maybe they, there's enough there for them to make one deal. Um, we will. I see a few of you on the line there. John, Sean in Salem, John and Norton, Dan and Abington. We'll get to your calls when we come back on the baseball. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, welcome back to the Baseball Hour. We'll try to uh, squeeze in a couple of calls here and then turn it over to Adam Jones for the balance of the night. Lucky you. Uh, John's in Norton. John, what do you got? Hey, Tony, a couple of quick thoughts on the Juan Soto situation. Number one, he's going to have a say in where he goes. 
because he has to agree to sign a long-term deal, number one. And if you're Scott Boris, you look at either the Yankees, Mets, or the Dodgers, the additional money he will make in those markets on endorsements will dwarf any place else. And then the last thing is, I think there's any chance that the Yankees could trade with him and they'll let Aaron Judge walk because they're going to get a much younger version of him, basically. Yeah, so look, I, I think there's every chance of that. He'd be a better fit for that ballpark, too, I think, in a lot of ways, although I think Woda, uh, Soto sprays the ball around a lot. So, But ideally in that ballpark, you want a talented left-handed hitter. He would qualify. Um, and, you know, the signability part, I wonder how that's going to play out. Soto's got two more years, and I don't think that the team that acquires him is necessarily going to be able to sign him right now. Boris typically likes to take those guys to free agency, and that's going to hurt the Nationals' negotiating position, which is probably why they're looking at dealing him now, because that way at least someone gets him for two years. Uh, And, you know, they only have to pay him arbitration salaries, which are still going to be high, but you you add him up, it's, what, $50 or something like that? I'm just guessing off the top of my head, as opposed to $450 million. Uh, quickly, Sean in Salem. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, to piggyback off that. Now, does public perception matter, right? So say Soto reached out to all the big market teams and said, you know, if you, if you trade for me, I'm not going to resign. I don't want to play for a big market team, right? But in the Red Sox, say fine. But the Yankees and Dodgers say, okay, fine, but... We still want to be in those reports to be like in the mix, quote unquote, because we're the Yankees and we're the Dodgers, and that's who we are. I don't think the Red Sox understand the importance of that perception around here without Lucchino. So, Sean, look, it's a good point. I mean, you know, you're basically saying, do you lie? Do you lie and make it look like you're in when you're not because you can then sell it to your fan base? Maybe. I mean, I, I think the bigger issue for the Red Sox, frankly, is not the money. I think the bigger issue for the Red Sox is. They would have to trade probably both Marcelo Mayer and Tristan Cassis to get this kid. And neither one of those guys is a pitcher. So, you know, the, the, the Nationals are going to want to hedge their bets. They're going to say, well, we're giving you a known commodity. We don't know about Marcelo Mayer, or Mayer and we don't know about Cassis yet. So we want them both, and hopefully we'll hit on one of them. So, I, you know, that one could go either way. I don't – that guy's going to be a hard guy to deal Okay, he's going to be a hard guy to deal because the signability of him at this stage is low. And, uh, it, you know, if that changes, then that then the Nationals could move him. But, you know, I think Boris has got him in a spot right now, the Nationals. I think they're going to want a lot. They're not going to get it, and they're going to have to keep Soto and then lose him in two years. Or they're going to have to increase their offer. Anyway, uh, you know, the Red Sox will return to the field tomorrow night. In the interim, you get more Adam Jones. He is back at our studio in Dorchester, along with Christian Arcane. They'll take you for the balance of the night. Murray's got your headlines. Everybody, we will catch you later.